Are you playing a game? <laughs> Almost. I'm going to let them know that I'm stepping off for a bit. What was, so the, what was the name of this game? Okay. This Ebony. Ebony. I'm letting them. This must be really addictive. You know, the problem is I'm a caretaker. And suddenly I have people to take care of again. Yeah. Like it's in your uh, DNA built in. Let them know I'm stepping off. Okay. So. What's your character's name? Consequences. Consequences. Yeah, that's that's what you said. All actions. It should be like fist away from you. otherwise it's not gonna catch your voice okay it has those filters and stuff to remove all the background noises and stuff so after we after okay so i'm going to say something you're Mm going to record it and i want to hear what it sounds like before i start this sure okay so i guess what i want to say is my name is consequences Mm -hmm. you know why Mm -hmm. because that's something all actions have and people tend to forget that when they're doing things like not thinking ahead, like what what that's, are the things that bring? That's it? that's why that's that's actually why I picked that as my <laughs> game name. And there's a funny joke about it. So uh, there was this guy in the game who's actually French, mm-hmm. right? And we've had couple interactions, mm-hmm. right? For some crazy reason, people think I'm charming, ridiculous. <laughs> but he's like, he said he wanted to tell me something, but he didn't want to hurt my feelings. Mm-hmm. Apparently. How I spent, spelt my name originally, it was con, space, and then sequences. So con was like the first name sequences. Mm-hmm. He's like, in French, con means idiot. <laughs> <laughs> idiot sequence. <laughs> yes, right. So he's like, he met me and he thinks I'm a really decent person and, you know, I'm charming and this and that. And mm-hmm. it really pisses him off to hear people call me idiot. <laughs> I thought that was funny. I said, it sweetie. It is hilarious. Yeah, I thought it was hilarious. I said, sweetie, in all honesty, I really don't care. Yeah. If you are not one of my important people, mm-hmm. I care less, nothing about what you think. I think that's the best attitude right. Like in your life. Right. I said, in all honesty. So they could call me what they want. Mm-hmm. Unless they're my sun and my moon, it don't mean anything. Everybody else is a random meteorite. And if they get in my yeah. way, I'll shoot them out the sky. No problem. Yeah, I was mentioning uh, to my friends that uh, my philosophy in life changed. Uh, like right in 2019, that's when I started having the issues, like uh, internal issues with the religion and stuff. Like mm-hmm. how is it possible that if the religion is all good and mm-hmm. like um, the, the light uh, for your life, the answers that mm-hmm. it contains... But we see a lot of the people suffering. And especially like in terms of um, Muslims, there are so many countries like Mm -hmm. uh, Saudi Arabia at the moment, like striking Yemen and like blocking all the borders and stuff. And uh, Mm -hmm. kids just like uh, hungry. And if you see the pictures, it's just horrifying. And, And then I started like questioning, like, is this even the religion? Like, who's causing it? Like, if it was all about, like, by the books, it shouldn't happen. Like, it shouldn't exist. But in reality, we're all human beings. But, and the the religion is basically, like, as a tool and control of the population. And then I, I start, like, like my whole uh, picture of life 
my uh, fundamentals just crashed like and into pieces. Mm -hmm. And then I started like having all the like depression type of feeling. A I crisis. Crisis, exactly, mm -hmm. like, the crisis. And, and then uh, I was like, why am I bothering? Like, why am I even thinking the people that I never met? Like in terms of, like I have my own goals, like a developing of my own character, like what I want to be. Mm -hmm. I just focus on that. And if one day, like you, if you can reach your hand and like help people, then you can do it. Until then, like don't bother and just keep improving yourself. Okay, so we're <laughs> going to end up spending a 30-minute conversation on religion because I want to <laughs> share with you, right? Yeah. In all honesty, mm. let me tell you, mm -hmm. I tell people this all the time. You may not think so, right? Mm. But I consider myself a Christian. Mm -hmm. You know why? Because, but here's the thing. I may not go to church. Mm -hmm. I may not uh, be what you, I may not be your stereotypical Christian, mm -hmm. but here's what I know. I know you're born alone and you die alone. Mm -hmm. And when you, when, when you are dead and you stand before judgment, you stand before judgment before God by yourself. Mm -hmm. I don't, so between you and me, as far as religion concerned, if it doesn't make sense to me, mm -hmm. I don't follow it. I have my own ideas about what God expects of me. Mm -hmm. God and I have these conversations, right? Mm -hmm. And he's already told me, it don't matter how much I paid a lottery, I've asked him to join him in heaven. And he's decided that a lot of money won't make me a better person. So I ain't going to ever win the lottery. Mm -hmm. So I just tell people, you know. But the bottom line is you have to know God for yourself. You need Your relationship with God is a personal thing between you and God. What gives you peace? Thank you. It has nothing to do with anybody else. Exactly. A That's a realization. Religion in our current society is exactly what you say. It is a tool used to control people. And I enjoy some pastors, but I don't listen to a lot of them because a lot of them do what I call placebo church. They're only saying what you want to say instead of saying what is really the truth and what is really need to do. Mm -hmm. You understand? Yeah. And do you know where the devil is alive and well? Where? In the church. Ha. Huh. Sorry. Interesting. I'm sorry. Because, I mean, if you look at history, mm -hmm. the Crusades, done in the name of a church, slaughtered, genocide, authorized genocide to kill thousands of people, millions of people. And most or, of the religion. Mm -hmm, you go look at our history. Religion has always been a tool used to control the masses to authorize unspeakable evil, mm -hmm. it's always been, religion has always been the hand of the devil. The devil... I agree. The devil has always used religion as a weapon. Mm -hmm. Because people... There's something about religion that makes people do what follow blindly. That's exactly the issue. Like, um, for instance, my... We should be recording this conversation because this is a hot, juicy conversation. Uh, I think I record... I saw recording, yeah. You ready to start recording? Yeah. Okay. Okay, good. You could edit that out there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to edit anything. <laughs> <laughs> All right. 
Yeah. But that's the main issue. Like, for instance, my mom, mm -hmm. uh, she grew up in the USSR time. And mm -hmm. during the USSR, religion was prohibited. Like, it, it, like people used to hide under their bed, like with the blankets and stuff, mm -hmm. and uh, picked up the Quran that they were hiding like deep in their, um, what is that called? Underground the, yeah, thing. Yeah, they have a little <laughs> hidden hole, a yeah. little hubby hole to yeah. hide it in. Mm -hmm. And, um, but after we got the independence, like people just start like uh, expressing their religious freedom mm -hmm. uh, more freely. And my mom got into it deeper and deeper. And, um, but her view is like, I want to impose my beliefs to others. And whenever I say that some of the things that is not going to work for others, by giving the example for myself, what, the, what are the specific things that doesn't work for me to find the peace? Mm -hmm. And whenever I have that kind of conversations, it glitches her circuits and she starts like getting defensive. Right? That's, that's the like main issue that I see. Like, and, but we program for that. Like right. growing up, uh, like uh, what is that called? Uh, mosques. Um, whenever I ask them, like simple questions, like why person who was born like in the like middle of the nowhere and never heard about the religion, and whenever they die, they die as kafir. That means like they gonna go to hell mm -hmm. because they didn't pursue like, the religion. Yeah. And I, it never like sat with me. It didn't make sense to me how God like can be so profoundly loving, mm -hmm. uh, like existing light mm -hmm. can do such a horror thing yes. right, to the person who never even knew about this. That's, but guess what? Here's the funny thing though. Mm -hmm. So, oh, there's, I mean, you just said that and like three or four different thousand thoughts went through my mind. Mm -hmm. So let's start with one. Mm -hmm. Uh, the first thing is, if you, one thing all religions agree upon is what makes humans special is God imparted a little bit of his deity in us. He mm -hmm. gave us, he gave us a seed of his power. Mm -hmm. And the funny thing is, even if you don't believe in God, right? In society today, we often say um, something happened and like, Something in our head, a little voice told us, oh, do this, or turn that way, or thing. And we did, and we're amazed, oh my. I, I listened to that voice, and I avoided something really, really bad. <laughs> I personally believe that that little voice is that little seed of God in you, and it speaks to you all the time, whether you believe in him or not. Mm -hmm. You understand? Mm -hmm. People say, oh, my mind, tell me, or whatever. That's not your mind. That seed is God. You understand? It's a part of everybody. Um, so my story is actually a little different. Mm -hmm. My grandfather was a Seventh-day Adventist pastor. So I was brought up as, and you know, the Seventh-day Adventist religion is the, uh, it's the Jewish religion, but it's the Jewish religion for, what do they call people who are non-Jews? It starts with, anyway, it'll come back to me. But it's Jewish religion for non-Jews, so to speak. Mm -hmm. And... My parents got divorced, and my mom went back to our home religion of an Anglican when I was a teenager. So I experienced, I grew up as a Seventh-day Adventist, then I spent some time as an Anglican, and those two, cultural, culturally, those two beliefs don't really mesh. Mm -hmm. 
So mm-hmm. I bounced around in a bunch of churches. Mm-hmm. And when I was bouncing around, all I, all I ever got was questions. So finally, I hooked up with this non-denominational um, evangelistic church, right? And for the first time, I met a pastor who asked the tough questions. Mm-hmm. So for a long time, like whenever I'm home, this is the church I go to because he asks the tough questions. He doesn't preach what you want to hear. He preach what it is. I took a bunch of Bible classes. And one of the most interesting classes I did mm-hmm. took was what they call the template for human nature. They took the first sin with Adam and Eve, right? Mm-hmm. And said that every single action that happened during the first sin built the template for human nature. Mm-hmm. And it is what we default to when we don't try. So let's look at the template. Eve, right? There's a joke that women are never satisfied, right? <laughs> Why did Eve take the apple from the serpent? Because the serpent promised her that if she took the apple, she would be like God. Mm-hmm. So she reached for something that she didn't have because she wanted something that she didn't have. Mm-hmm. Okay? Mm-hmm. So for women, men, when um, God, after Adam committed the sin, and he hid, and God asked Adam, why, he says, he's like, why did you hide from me? Adam did not say, oh, I broke my faith with you, and I uh, made a mistake. Adam said, the woman you gave me, gave me of the fruit, and I did it. The first thing Adam did was blame God and the woman. It's not my fault. It wasn't me. You know, Shaggy, it wasn't me. You know what I'm saying? And that is, the, those are, those two. And we went through a whole thing and he broke it all down. And it was amazing. And I was like, that is so true. That is the template for human nature. Mm-hmm. The template for women and the template for men it was built on the actions of the first sin. And we have not deviated from it. A hundred percent. There's a, uh, a man named Jordan Peterson. Like, I don't, I don't know if you heard of that guy, name. Nope. Um, but he, um, what is that? interprets um the bible like some of the stories like Mm -hmm. what kind of um value that lies there like your your interpretation of the adam and eve like uh uh, committing the first sin sin. Mm -hmm. like he uh brings up the examples of those brothers um what was their name cain and abel cain and abel Mm um when cain like, I, don't, I don't know which brother, but they had to sacrifice something. Both right? of them had to commit. I'll tell you the story. Yeah. Both of them, God demanded a sacrifice. Mm-hmm. And he asked for a specific sacrifice. Abel was a shepherd, and he gave God what he asked for. Mm-hmm. Cain says that I'm a farmer, and my um, sacrifice should be the fruits of my labor, not what you think I should give you. You want me to kill an animal for you? But that's, I would have to get an animal from my brother. That's not the fruits of my labor. Mm-hmm. So he offered the fruits of his labor, which was his farm goods, and God did not accept his offering. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, like he does those interpretations of like, hey, um, there's actually value that lies there of the human characteristics that you can learn a lot from that. Mm-hmm. Like, And I agree, like yeah, every, like, Every story that you uh, listen or read for, from mm-hmm. the Islam perspective, like it's a lot of the good uh, examples 
like for for instance like there's a Baqarah surah mm-hmm. um and in that story it talks about um the masses um there there's some kind of issue like illness or something like i'm i'm not sure like the details but the general story is that um the prophet says that we need to uh sacrifice uh animal and it's like and they ask like what kind of animal cow and uh and the masses just like keep digging their um uh, toes like and start questioning like what kind of color it needs to be what kind of horn it needs to be what kind of uh hoofs that it, it needs to have mm-hmm. like what kind of tail how what is <laughs> what is the length like mm-hmm. every single detail and a uh, prophet details everything and there's only one cow like that uh, aligns with the specification if they didn't ask all those questions they could have just brought like any Eddie cow, cow and mm-hmm. they, it would be satisfying mm-hmm. but they found a cow and the old lady uh, was owning that that uh golden color like that specification uh cow and whenever the masses go there and ask them like uh to sell their uh sell her cow and she's like no hell no like either you're gonna fill up uh with money mm-hmm. like you're gonna kill the cow and fill up the ca- skin of the cow with the money, money then i will exchange it yeah and they had to do that yeah it's one of the craziest thing but they asked for that here's the thing though now we get on to another subject mm-hmm. about humans always asking for things that they don't really know or understand what they're asking for you know what i mean so um all right so do you know okay so here's a funny thing do you know why um humans ask so many questions curiosity i think because we do not know the future do you know why adam and eve were kicked out of the garden of eden i say curiosity <laughs> because they could not eat of the fruit of life mm-hmm. which would cancel out god's command that if they eat of this fruit they shall die mm-hmm. right the fruit of life would have given them that in greek mythology you know the story of pandora not sure okay in greek mythology the story of pandora is that pandora was given charge of a box mm-hmm. it was a beautiful beautiful box and she was told to never open it right and finally her curiosity got the best of her mm-hmm. she opened it and all of the evils in the box it was full of evils escaped into the world she managed to close the box and keep the last evil in and that evil that she kept in was the knowledge of the future oh shit yes because the thing is people we ask questions because we do not know there is no the next moment has no surety you mm-hmm. do not know if you're going to die tomorrow you mm-hmm. do not know if you're going to live if you'll be alive in an hour you mm-hmm. do not know if a meteorite's going to hit the whole planet and we're all going to be dead before midnight mm-hmm. and we ask questions because we need surety we want to know you know what i mean yeah but we forget the important thing about knowing i have a i have a girlfriend mm-hmm. years ago and she had a husband who had a wandering eye and he had a wandering hand and he had wander in other parts too mm-hmm. so let's do it this way and we would always have this question she would tell me 
oh, this and this and that, that. I said, here's the thing. It's all well and fine for you to do this. But once you know, you can't not know. Mm-hmm. Knowledge is like throwing a stone into a pond. After the ripples have gone, the pond looks the same, but it's forever changed because something is in there that wasn't there before. Mm-hmm. So once you know, you can't not know. So I said, you need to be sure that you want to know this. So we're always asking questions when we're not ready to handle the weight of the knowledge that we gain. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's interesting. Um, like more I'm learning about this modeling uh, stuff, mm-hmm. um, like prediction models. I see like based on the features that you give, like it will spit out like them some specific uh, probabilities of something happening, like or something um, being classified like as something. And um, and I'm looking at our like as a human, uh, the background, the all the um, experiences that we had as as a child until now, and like based on those knowledges, like we make different decisions. And for me, it's like for that moment. Even if you have like small branches of uh, options uh, for your decisions, it's not as drastically different from the person like you making the same decision after 10 years. Like it's drastically different. Mm -hmm. And my point is that you don't really have free choice of the future. You have like tiny, tiny branches, but Mm -hmm. it's the same tree like it's 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 the what, what is that called the branch, branch, branch of the um like tiny branches of the whole one branch yeah so it doesn't make any difference yeah well that's how i'm looking at the like currently well so here's the thing I don't know how to say this. Mm-hmm. Okay. So let me say this. Um, for me personally, mm-hmm. right? I very rarely hold myself to the world's standards. Mm-hmm. I set my own personal standards for who I want to look in the mirror. Because, you know, have you ever done an exercise where you stand in front of a mirror and you meet your own eyes for five minutes? Mm-hmm. You know... I need to be able to look myself in the eye and not be ashamed of myself. Mm-hmm. That is that right there. That is my guidance for my choices. Mm-hmm. If I'm going to be do something, if I'm going to be ashamed of something I'm going to do, if it's something that's going to make me ashamed of myself, I won't do it. Mm-hmm. Of course, that gives me a whole bunch of flexibility because there are some things that people would be ashamed to do. I have no shame whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> But um, I say that to say, um, when I make my plans, I can't tell you how many times in my life I have made plans and I have made, said that this is going to happen and this is going to be and this is going to happen and this is how it's going to be. And people go, oh, no, that can't happen. And I'm like, really? Okay. And then when it happened just the way, it's like, how did you know? Mm-hmm. Take, for example, when I went off to college, I met so much resistance, 
so much problems from some everybody. So many people didn't. They were like, "You are crazy! You quit a good job to go to college to do this and whatever, whatever like that." Da, 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 da. Now, my my dad, my dad was like, "You're 45. Why are you going off to college?" You know what I mean? Why are you doing this? And I'm like, because like, it's a point? part. No, it's a part of my retirement plan. Because you know why computer science is the perfect thing? Because it mostly requires my mind. Mm-hmm. Right? When my body betrayed me and I'm old and crippled, as long as my mind it's is clear. working, I'm good. Yeah. And if my mind goes, I won't know, so I won't give a fuck anyway. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but the bottom line is, with everything that's happened in the thing, I'm, now my family and most of my detractors, they're like, how did you know that the world was going to change like this? I'm like, I did not know. But I did speculate that it was a possibility mm-hmm. because I could see the way technology was going. And I don't see technology being deep sixed any time. I don't see it decreasing. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's going to slow down. So having a background in technology as a future for my retirement is simply the obvious choice (laughs) right so here's a question we went from being using pages to using cell phones to now we have cell phones so much that most people don't have landlines anymore they only have a cell phone so does that look like we're going to stop using technology anytime in the next 50 years it's an exponential exponential growth for the technology and how can you not here's what i was kill me i don't understand how people look at the same thing that i'm looking at Mm -hmm. and not see it I don't understand how they can look at, not take a look at what is happening in our world. Look at how things are changing, how they're integrating technology into everything. You have a bloody smart fridge. Your fridge will tell you, we do not have any milk. <laughs> how is it possible? <laughs> yes, but I mean, here's the thing. And, and, and you could see this happening mm-hmm. and you can't imagine that it's going to be yeah, I agree that um, not a, like a lot of us, we experience those things. Like we see something uh, around us, we just don't give that much of a attention to the detail and not realizing things are happening, things are moving like faster than we think it, it is. And um, I think for my dad, um, he was so curious about technology. He like even when the new Pentium One came out, he went to the store. He spent a lot of money like to buy that computer, and bought that for me. And but while I was learning how to use it, he was already on fire. Like he was just like going and yeah. like playing the Doom, yeah. <laughs> the old games, the two mm-hmm. D versions, yeah. and he was having fun. And now, like he's using laptops, like uh, all kinds of apps, he's surfing internet like easily mm-hmm. compared to my mom that you need to specifically show her like what is what, and then she needs to write it down on her uh, paper mm-hmm. instructions, and then the execution comes. Yes, it's just like I guess it's just the the person and like what kind of interests they have because my mom doesn't have any interest in the technology but my dad is i'm gonna argue with you on that because let me tell you i don't think it has much of interest i think it has with the ability to imagine 
So mm-hmm. I call the ability to imagine leap factor. Okay? I've always called it leap factor. Mm-hmm. Leap factor is the ability to take unrelated things and make a picture that is actually concrete and a possibility. Mm-hmm. Okay? So your dad has leap factor. When I see something, right? Mm-hmm. I think of all the possibilities that could come out of that. You know what I mean? So many people can't. They can't connect the dots and reshape them into a different picture, right? Now, I'm going to tell you, as an apparent, mm-hmm. one of the most important, there are three very, very, very important things you must teach your child. The first one is, just because you can do something does not mean you should. Mm-hmm. Okay? So I taught my kids that it's not fair to lie to strangers because strangers don't know you from Adam. Mm-hmm. They have no reason to believe that you're lying to them. Mm-hmm. It's much better to lie to people who know you. Because if they know you, they have a chance to know you lying at them. You understand? Which may seem odd, right? But it's not my place to make judgments for them. Everybody have to go to God for themselves. And my kids need to be able to look themselves in the mirror and think, it's not my place to tell them, oh, you must do this or you must do that. That's not how you create free-thinking individuals. You give them their choices and you let them make their choice. Okay? Mm -hmm. But just because you can do something does not mean you should. Second rule. Just because it cannot happen for somebody else does not mean it cannot happen for you if you plan it properly. Mm-hmm. Okay? Just because, so my husband, when my kids were 10, 9, 10, 11, when my kids were growing up, we had a deal. I would watch TV with them and they would watch TV with me. Mm-hmm. So every uh, week, I was into anime. So I would record. <laughs> Inuasha and all these animes all week long. Mm-hmm. And then on the weekend, all week, I'd be watching like Jimmy Neutron and Powerpuff Girls and all the cartoons with them. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I mean, I enjoyed cartoons, so I enjoyed watching it with them. And then on the weekend, we would do a marathon binge where they would watch anime with me. And I made them watch it subtitled. It's what got my daughter interested. No dubs. <laughs> yeah. When they were younger, I used to read the translations to them until they got to the point where they could read it for themselves. Mm-hmm. It sparked their interest in foreign languages. That's how my daughter ended up going to China for foreign languages. And that's how my son ended up going to France. And both of my kids are multilingual. And speak fluently. <laughs> yeah. But the, both of my kids are multilingual. Mm-hmm. And, um, but the thing about it is, and then once they hit a certain age, I told them, I said, when you, I'm not going to allow you to go to college in the U.S. because mm-hmm. the U.S. is our back door, is our backyard, it's mm-hmm. our neighborhood. You can go to college anywhere in the world mm-hmm. except the U.S. because I find that... Drastically different culture shock. I find that the U.S. is too similar in culture Yeah. for them to... It's okay. So here's another story. I had a friend who had a son who went to college in the U.S. Mm-hmm. And he spoke to his son Thursday night. Everything was cool, right? Saturday morning, his son called him from jail, okay? <laughs> because he went out partying Friday night mm-hmm. with a bunch of his friends, and the guy who was driving the car used to deal weed. Mm-hmm. And the police stopped the car at a... Um, they did a roadblock. They stopped the car and searched the car, and the guy mm-hmm. had weed in the car. 
every last one of them in the car, mm-hmm. even if they were just catching a ride. They did not know the weed was in the car. But according to U.S. law, every last one of them end up in jail with a drug charge. Mm-hmm. Okay. Which needs to be changed. Right. But that would never, ever happen in my home country. In mm-hmm. my home country, they will hold the owner of the car responsible, especially if he have a history of being a thingum. Nobody else in the car would be held responsible. Yeah. I had no idea that as long as you don't have it, you don't possess it. Like if you intoxicate it, nothing going to happen to you. The possession of the possessor of the vehicle is the one who they hold accountable yeah, for the drugs. That's what makes more sense like right. compared to so here's the thing. passengers. So his son had a brilliant, was in his uh, second year of college. Mm-hmm. And his whole career, his whole life completely changed with that one act. Yeah. So I told my kids, I said, you cannot go to school in the U.S. because that culture is too similar to ours. Mm-hmm. And you're going to do something foolish. And then I'm going to have to come to the U.S. and kill a whole bunch of fucking people. And your mom will be a serial killer. And that'll really change your life. So mm-hmm. it's better if I send you to a culture that is different where you would have the time to stop and think and move forward. Right. You know what I mean? Because you understand you, you have to learn the culture. You don't assume you know the culture. Mm. And if I send you to the U.S. with all the TV you've watched and the times we visited and whatever, you're going to assume you know the culture, and that's not the case. Mm-hmm. You need to go somewhere where you don't know the rules, where you have to learn the rules from the scratch, and that's how you're going to be. Now, Especially when you're not speaking the language. And now, so my husband, so I told them, you are going, you're going to college, right? Mm-hmm. You can pick anywhere to go to college. You can pick, and whatever you pick for your first career, your dad and I will help you pay for it. After that, make sure whatever you pick for your first career can pay for when you choose to change your career because we ain't doing it no more. Mm-hmm. All right? So that'll be that. Now, the funny thing is I didn't find this out at the time, right? But I told my kids these things. My husband listened to me, mm-hmm. and he... He didn't say anything, but he didn't believe it would happen. Mm-hmm. Because in his family, he had his sister who got good grades and whatever. And his mom and Thingham, they did all these things to try and get off the college. And she never was able to leave. She never was able to get to college, off the college. It never was going to happen. So he did not believe that we, not making a whole bunch of money, not having a bunch of things, that it was going to happen for us. Mm-hmm. But... I want you to know, I thank my husband because even though he did not believe, he never said anything. He kept going. He, I told him this was the plan and this is what I need him to do. He said, okay, he did his part. And he was shocked when it worked. Mm-hmm. Both of my kids went to college. My daughter spent five, six years in China. My son spent three, four years in France. And both of them went off to college. Both of my kids are, he is... All of my plans, because I was always a planner. I was a planner. I had planned that we would be debt-free by 40. We didn't get debt-free till 46, but still. <laughs> In Uzbek, we have saying, uh, husband is the head of the family, and the wife is the neck. <laughs> Wherever the, when the wife turns the head, that's where the husband goes. <laughs> Well, I I don't know about that, but he told me years later that he used to listen to me plan 
mm-hmm. he was constantly shocked at me. He's never met, he's like, I've never met anyone who like make these things happen. And I said, I did not make these things happen. He's like, oh, he didn't expect these things to happen for us. I said, why not? Mm-hmm. Of course they should happen for us. We plan it to happen for us. Yeah, it's very interesting because it's similar to my family's mm-hmm. situation. Um, my mom, like my dad was, like if you gave him idea, he would start connecting the dots and making something out of it. Mm-hmm. But there was not much of the original ideas mm-hmm. like sparking. But my mom would give him the uh like hey in five years this is what's gonna happen in two years this is a what's gonna it's what, what's gonna happen and you have to prepare for that and that would push him like to oh, okay i need to do this i need to do that, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. like and that's how it worked all the time and um but like I agree that having experiencing different culture like really expands your view of the humanity. Like whenever I first time experienced uh, Korean culture, like I was shocked. Like it, it was so similar at the same time, so different. <laughs> I was like, what? what? What is this? What is that? And it is amazing feeling, amazing experience like to go through that yes when it just um uh one story like came to my mind earlier about the religion thing i just read uh this morning that um mormon church was on the sex uh secretary uh what is it sec uh investigation for trying to hide 100 billion dollar uh investment portfolio <laughs> from the taxation I, I read that this morning i was like okay <laughs> it's nothing new like ever um most of the churches like most of those mosques gonna do that like whenever, whenever they have this well, opportunity it just like came to my mind earlier and i had to like, get get out of that the funny thing is historically churches have always been a form of government and they don't feel like they should be governed by the government, which is funny because almost all religions say something along the lines of Mm -hmm. render under God what is God's and render under Caesar what is Caesar's. Mm -hmm. But when you get a religion that feels like they don't have to be beholden to the world and whatever, Mm -hmm. that's the hand of the devil, eh? Is that not? It's just the the reason why I'm bringing back to the religion thing. Mm -hmm. Um, So... For U.S., like as a foundation, uh, separating the church from the state is one of the uh, requirements, right? Like for being the U.S. U.S. But like at the same time, I see a lot of the uh, tax breaks for the uh, churches, like for the, for the religious groups. Do you think it's a good idea, like for letting them, like not to pay property tax? and just collect wealth like as much as they want so let me ask you a question yeah what you're missing is Mm -hmm. in the u.s churches are business yes i agree with that okay so look at the tax breaks for churches Mm -hmm. and look at the tax breaks for businesses and notice how similar they are 
churches, a lot of the tax breaks for churches are the same as the tax breaks for businesses of a certain level or higher. Businesses have to figure out the loopholes. Churches just given. But but here's the thing, though. Mm-hmm. It's just given to churches, right? Mm-hmm. When they get to, uh, because when they get to a certain point, why? Okay, so let's rewind. Why give churches tax breaks? Yeah, that's the thing. Why? Here's the thing. Think about it. Why give churches tax breaks? From the historical perspective or the reasoning why they get in there? From, not from the historical perspective, the reasonable. Now, I want you to just think of a possible political reason to give a church a tax break. The one thing comes to my mind, like since we, like you were earlier mentioning about them being a business, like to keep the status quo, like they will be financing the the representative that they want, that they're going to do whatever they're going to ask them to do. Okay. So here's the thing. Yes. It's just we're so back wealth. To, we're back to the placebo church. The U.S. supports the placebo church. Do you know what a placebo is? Yeah, like if you keep telling yourself it's working, it's going to work. Exactly. It's, it's something that it's like giving people in a, in a test group, they mm-hmm. give the people the actual medicine and they give them a placebo that has no impact whatsoever. Mm-hmm. And if the people believe that they were given the real medicine, sometimes it works. Mm-hmm. So, uh, people believe. Ah, so now we're getting back to and, and people why, pushing in. Yeah, for them why to the have churches it. have tax breaks? Because mm-hmm. here's the thing: increasingly, our society is becoming a place where they do not want you to think; they want you to react. They want you to do as you're told. They want you. They are not interested in free thinkers. There's a conspiracy and there theory is there. Actually, okay, so here's the thing. I will, I will tell you later. <laughs> I know. There, there are a bunch of, let's not get me started on it. <laughs> let's not get me started on it because you know, I wanted to call this unpopular opinions for a reason. Uh-huh. But let's just say that churches nowadays are a placebo. Churches nowadays tell people what they want to hear. Churches nowadays are one of the tools being used to shape a society full of sheep. Which has always been a case. It has always been the case where churches have been used to control people. Mm-hmm. Right? And that right there is the hand of the devil. Uh, my main uh, proposal is that don't you think enough people woken up and under- start understanding like what's the power the church has? No, let me tell you what the thing is, okay? So, and I myself am guilty of this, mm-hmm. all right? The thing about it is we no longer have a society where people are self-sacrificing. Not even me. Mm-hmm. I will sacrifice myself for my family, right? Mm-hmm. But I'm not sure I would sacrifice myself for my country. 
Mm-hmm. You see? So here's the thing. The thing about it is the people who are seeking power, right, mm-hmm. are not seeking power to make it better for anyone but themselves. You know who is the prime example? Mm. Trump. Trump, Trump, Trump. Yeah. Trump, out and out. Let me tell you, I despise Trump. I mm-hmm. despise everything he stands for. But there's an old joke. Mm-hmm. Which can you trust? An honest man or a dishonest man? Trust is something really hard to give. Yeah, but here's the to thing. Somebody. If like if I have to man, choose between them, honest mm-hmm. man is going to be the one you trust. My obvious choice. Never. The only one you can trust is a dishonest man because you know without fail he will try to cheat you. <laughs> the honest man, right? will screw you on a point of honor that you have no idea But that is means coming. you're not trusting dishonest man. No, you trust him to try and screw you over and rob you because that's what dishonest people do. Okay, so you okay, I you see. You trust I the see. nature I of thought, the beast. I thought that the trust was in terms of like they're not going to do anything bad. Oh no. Mm-mm. I'm like dishonest man, mm-hmm. you're never going to trust When you <laughs> you were talking about predictive modeling, right? Yeah. Right. So here's the thing. I trust that Trump will lie to me mm-hmm. and do what's in his best interest. Mm-hmm. You can't trust honest people. You know mm-hmm. why? Because honest people have their own personal code of honor. And you don't know if their personal code of honor aligns with your personal code of honor. And they will screw you on a point of honor. But do you and you will never see it come in. Do you think there's any politicians that exist that is not dishonest yes like i don't feel like there's any honest politicians i disagree there maybe one or two exactly but But here's the thing let's put it this way if there weren't any honest politicians the world would be in a much worse state than it is think about it the proportion is decreasing right but can you possibly imagine how much worse the world can be I feel like it's just two heads of the dragon. They really want power. Okay. And this, they're serving the same thing. Like they're serving uh, to gain the power. And that's what stops them to from moving, like getting worse and worse. Let's say like Republicans want something, mm-hmm. but Democrats opposing it. And Democrats want something and the Republicans opposing it. And just like keeping... It breaks to each other. So I'm going to say something about Democrats and Republicans, mm. right? In all honesty, they're in bed together and it's they're making the children. Thing. Yes, it's two dragons. It's just yes. same body. <laughs> they are. They are. They they play like they are against each other. Okay, so here's what I learned from Obama being in power, mm-hmm. right? Do you know why Obama being in power was a problem? Why is that? Because he was not the chosen one. Wasn't it Hillary that was supposed to be president at that time? The parties but he chose who they were going to support. Obama got in power by the people's choice. I agree. All right. That was the And that's why Obama's time in power was so messed up. That is why repeatedly, 
multiple times over and over and over. The Democrats and Republicans voted against their own best interests to undermine Obama's authority, to undermine Obama's rule. People like, oh, Obama was a horrible president, whatever, et cetera, et cetera. And I'm like, you are trying to judge the, um, the, the symptoms without looking at the disease. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Every single mm-hmm. thing Obama tried to do, if you notice, the world is on a path. The current political structure has the world on a particular path. It is attempting to get people to a certain point, mm-hmm. right? Obama interfered with that plan. And almost, if you go back and take a look at everything Obama did for the 10 years he was in power, it has been, most of it has been undone. All the positive um, relations he built for the U.S., right, with other nations all over the world, what happened? Trump managed to undo them. 10 years of work in less than a year. Did he not? All the positive um, profile that Obama gave the U.S., all the good, good, the good positive benefits that Obama did for the American image, Trump undid immediately. Uh, like A lot I have, of the rules I have some that disagreement on that that Obama did, like only good stuff. No, no. There were a Hold lot. Hold on, of wait, the, wait. Let me just say this. Yeah. I'm not saying Obama did only good stuff, mm-hmm. all right? Because the problem is he was an honest man, and you cannot trust honest man, man because <laughs> you need to know their code. If you don't know their code inside and out, you don't know how they're going to screw you. Mm-hmm. Okay, so let me give you an example. So one of my friends and I continually have a point of contention, mm-hmm. right, where she refuses to buy or drink Starbucks coffee, Right, Mm -hmm. because she says Starbucks robs the people that they buy the coffee from. They buy the coffee for three dollars, including shipping, and sell it for twenty dollars. And she's like, "How do they expect the people to get a better life with them robbing them all the time?" And I say to her, "You have a choice." No, I say to her, "Here's the question." Your definition of a better life may not be their definition of a better life. When you say you want to improve someone's life, the first question you should ask them is, what do you think will improve your life? People always think that giving you my life will improve your life. Mm -hmm. But that's not necessarily the case because that doesn't say, who's to say I want your life? Who's Mm -hmm. to say that I want what you have? I may have my own idea of what my future is. And you really want to improve my life? Ask me what would improve my life. Mm -hmm. Give me what would improve my life. Because maybe computers would not improve my life, right? Mm -hmm. But farmland and a dozen horses and half a dozen goats and chickens would. Because I don't want a computer life. I might want a farm life. Mm -hmm. So maybe you should stop trying to give me what you think I should have Mm -hmm. and give me what I want. Mm -hmm. You get me? Mm All right, so now let's bring this back. So I'm not saying that Obama did only good because he was guilty of giving people what he thought they should have instead of what they needed, instead of what they wanted. Mm-hmm. You give me that? You, you get what I'm saying? 
and there's more evil done through giving people what you think they should have instead of what they actually need than you could ever believe. If, like, there was some stuff like it was basically glossy apple rotten inside, like some of the policies that you did, like especially the... Uh, the overseas ones, because those are the ones that we've been seeing living in Uzbekistan, like have seen the effects. Um, and but like what was happening in US, I have no idea during Obama. Yeah. I wasn't here. Um, but people criticize one of his good things is the Obamacare, mm -hmm. that it was that same thing, the uh, glossy apple with rotten inside that. It was just like enriching the uh, pol the policymakers about healthcare, and I started learning about healthcare system. I was like, "Holy shit! There, that's a giant mafia there, <laughs> like just but. screwing over people." It just there was another candidate, mm -hmm. Bernie Sanders, mm -hmm. and it felt like uh, Democrats screwed him over for like stopping him to become the candidate because if he was toe-to-toe -to -toe with uh trump people would just go like with sanders like 100 percent. but and and the things he was talking about giving people like um minimum standard of living living like health care for what is it uh so you don't have to go bankrupt like or get like three or four jobs like to pay the bill my son's birth was $350,000. Just imagine how you're going to pay that money if you didn't have insurance. So. But there's another thing. Uh, some of my friends who doesn't have insurance, mm -hmm. and during the pregnancy, you were required to have insurance by the state. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, and I, I, whenever I talk to them, they paid like five hundred or thousand dollars out of pocket, and the rest was covered by the insurance that was provided by state. And it just like for Emily, it blows her mind. Like, how is that even possible? Like, I'm paying thousand dollars a month every month, <laughs> like for the whole three four years, and I'm ending up like paying whatever the amount that was for the out of pocket compared to the people who never had the insurance and like like the unjust or not unjust like um like weird situation unbalanced that's what i would mm -hmm. say i'm gonna say one thing before we move forward mm -hmm. i will tell you right if you do your investigation into healthcare, mm -hmm. you will find out that the proposal the original proposal that Obama um, submitted mm -hmm. was nothing like what was finally passed. For sure, any policy like that. Exactly. So here's the thing. The lobby is just going to keep adding and adding and adding. <laughs> what, what they did was they took his golden apple, right? Mm -hmm. And they cut everything out of it that would benefit the people. And it just ended up being, he, he wanted to do something good. Mm -hmm. But in all honesty, he was nowhere near prepared for um, the level of resistance mm -hmm. he would meet. He had no idea 
what he was stepping into, and he stepped into it unprepared, and they gutted him. They gutted him. So I will tell you, I don't care what people say. I will, I will always respect one thing about Obama. Mm-hmm. Obama really, really, really wanted, he took that position to help people. And they didn't allow him to do so. No president done the, those type of stuff. Like could have done like whatever they were believed to do once they get the job. Only, what is that, uh, Roosevelt? That's not true. Here's the thing. Like the presidents who, who have done what they wanted to do when they get the job mm-hmm. have done it deceitfully. So let me tell you something. Mm-hmm. So do you know that the changes that um, Trump made to immigration are still being found out? Why immigration? <laughs> the changes that Trump made okay. to immigration. What kind of changes we're talking are about? Are still being found out. For example, I have a friend who went to school as a nurse, mm-hmm. right? And she, during her, while she was going to school as a nurse, she married an uh, American. And when she got out of school, she didn't apply for OPT mm-hmm. because she was in the process of applying for her green card, mm-hmm. right? And you know, while you're applying, you can't work, right? Okay. Right. She was promised that one, because she was a nurse, which is a needy thing, because she was um, a bunch of different things, she fell into three categories for expedited, right? Mm-hmm. When she applied for her nursing and she applied for the expedited, do you know what they told her? The shortest amount of time they could cut it down to was six months. Mm-hmm according to the new rules. But until six months hits, you're going to get work authorization. She already had a job offer. She is... No, what I'm saying, like, whenever you start the process, you're going to get the work authorization. No. That's what it was for me, like... Right, but no, she didn't get it. But see, the thing is, yours, right, was in process before Trump changed the rules. No, during the Trump. Right. But some of the rules, if you started, right. But your, your thing was not the same as hers. She was so shocked because she thought the rules, the rules that she knew said she would have it in anywhere from 60 to 90 days. Mm-hmm. That's not what happened. Even the uh, questions were like from whatever the Trump was requesting for the immigration office, like uh, the added questions. Yeah, like so it was with that they, too. They've changed the thing. Yeah, I think it was, what, like 2016, no, 2017, after year of Trump, mm-hmm. I think, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, probably they didn't have all these regulation changes for for that first year. No, but later on, like it was changing. But here's but mine was smooth. Like compared to a lot of the people that I know, it Mm -hmm. was so much smoother. I don't know Mm -hmm. why. Maybe I'm a good citizen. (laughs) Uh, But I I want to say something. But but I'm not going to say that here. Hmm? 
I want to say that something, but I'm not going to say that here. Why is that? <laughs> but it'll be a good thing. So here's the thing. Mm-hmm. Um, because discrimination is alive and well. Mm-hmm. That's why yours was smoother. Like me being Uzbek helped? No. What is that? Look in the mirror. What do you look like? Korean, Chinese, Japanese. That most people tell me. Yes, you do look a little Asian, but you also look. I'm white, right? Exactly. I tell that to my wife and she's like, no, you're not white. (laughs) No, but you look enough like a white man. Mm -hmm. Sorry. But it my would skin, be different. skin's super white. Yeah. That's for it sure. It would be different. And that dark hair only makes you look whiter. So it would Wasn't be different. It would be different if you were uh, a different minority. Do you think that's the case? <laughs> like, I don't know, like, a lot of people, uh, like black people, uh, applying or like, <laughs> First Filipinos, but I know uh, some of the uh, Indian uh, friends, they they went through this process. Indians were having a lot of headache. Their cases, like wait time is 10 years. And he tells me like that it's mainly because of a lot of people applying from India. Yeah, which is funny. But here's a funny thing. First of all, you should say... Um, I'm not a great, great believer in discrimination, mm-hmm. but I've seen that shit at work, really. Mm-hmm. And I don't personally believe, I like, anyhow, but it'll be a thing. It'll be a thing. But I'm not a great believer in discrimination, mm-hmm. right? Because I believe if you look for something, you will find it. Yeah. I believe if you look I for something, you will find it. But I will tell you, I've seen that thing enough, active enough. Where I will tell you, don't take this the wrong way, Mm -hmm. but you look white enough to pass. (laughs) Even though you claim... The white tester. Even though you look Asian-ish, even the the flow of your hair Mm -hmm. and the kick of your curls and whatever, Mm -hmm. it's enough white enough to pass. Mm -hmm. So let's leave that as that. Uh, I'll give you an example. Like, uh, I couldn't understand why people in Chicago were complaining about police. Because I worked as a cab driver there for a year and a half. And all the interactions that I had with police was positive. Mm-hmm. Like, I never had issue. Um, but at the same time, there were a lot of, uh, like, people from uh, Arabic, Arabian, Arabian people, like mm-hmm. African, uh, like, dark-skinned, uh, like, cab drivers. And they had the same thing. Like, they never had uh, negative interaction mm-hmm. as a cab driver. Like, cab driver and the police, like, have a uh, harmonic relationship. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. if there was something going on on the street, like, cab drivers, highest chance the cab driver would notify the police, like, of the whatever the misbehavior that was taking a place mm-hmm. and keeping the uh, city moving. Mm-hmm. Like, and I never could understand, like, people linking the police interaction with the citizens because of the racism when you look at the police interaction with the cab drivers and not having the same, similar interaction. 
Okay. Did you ever experience anything otherwise? With the police? Mm-hmm. No, like they were helpful like all the time. Mm. Okay. So I'm the wrong person to because talk I, about with the police mm-hmm. because I've had a lot of, I've only had maybe two slightly less than 100% positive interactions with police. Mm-hmm. Right? And um, let's just put it this way. I've both pulled over several times, but I've never gotten a ticket. And let's leave that right there. But um, same here. <laughs> yeah. But um, I think there's there's a saying in Uzbek. Yaxshi gapga ilon inidan chiqadi, yomon gapga qilich qinidan. Which translates as um, for the good uh, good words, even snake will come out of its uh, the the hole. And for the bad words, uh, the sword will come out from its, what is that, hinge? Yeah. Where yeah. the sword is? The sheath. Sheath. Mm-hmm. Um, and all the interactions that I had with police, I'm directly uh, comparing with the experience that I had in Uzbekistan. Police in Uzbekistan doesn't give a shit. <laughs> like with the politeness or anything, like they're just going to go straight and be aggressive. Like the first thing that you're going to experience, no matter what you are, no matter how you look. Now, straight up aggression. Okay. So I've had some police who were what I call bantam roosters. You ever seen a rooster? You ever seen a rooster? A chicken? A male chicken? Yeah. You know what I mean? He's just like strutting around. I'm important. (laughs) I'm the rooster. That's my hand. That's my hand. Those my chicks. Okay, so I've had those kind of interactions with police. Mm-hmm. But I have a formula, if you will, for dealing mm-hmm. with police. Okay. Right? Let, let's, okay. Let's hear so um, it won't work for everybody, you know. But I am unfailingly charming, helpless female. When I deal with police. Mm-hmm. Oh, was I? Really? Oh, I'm so sorry. I did not intend to. But then, you know, I'm not a, like a native of this country. And in my country, you know, you know, in fact, you should come there. Let me give you some rum, rum and some cake and some, you know what I mean? And without fail, we, every time I deal with them, you know, they'll tell me, oh, well, we'll give you a warning and whatever, et cetera, et cetera. And they give me the warning and whatever. I've only had one who actively gave me a warning that was registered in the system. Mm-hmm. The rest of them, we chat about things. I tell them, you know, come visit me in the Bahamas. Let me feed you some rum and some some fish, fry fish and some cake and thing. We'll be, you know. Not but that's that. a good attitude that helps you. Uh, yes. Even if I don't feel that way personally at mm. the time. Mm-hmm. Right? But the bottom line is I approach police as though they are people. That's what I do too. Yes. And I speak to them the way I would speak to a tourist if they were to come to the Bahamas. Mm -hmm. And I've only had one policeman who was so much of a bantam rooster, he felt it necessary to give me a warning letter that was registered on my file. And I want you to know 
that made me decide to, you know, I got to step up my game because he should have been charmed. Mm-hmm. Anyhow, so thanks. So we've talked about religion. We've talked about politics. We've talked about human nature. Mm-hmm. We've talked about future planning. We've talked about um, so many different things. Yeah. How are you going to fit all this into one podcast? Um, I think, like, I'm just, I don't even know, like, how the the planning, mm-hmm. how it needs to look or anything like that. I'm just letting it happen uh-huh. and see. Um, the first thing I'm giving attention is that whenever I'm listening myself, mm-hmm. uh, try to improve my own speaking. Aha. Uh-huh. It's base. The main purpose of this podcast is two. Mm-hmm. First thing is for myself, mm-hmm. for my uh, speaking improvement, and the second thing is the historical documentation for my kids and generation. Mm-hmm. The passing with wisdom type of thing. Yeah. Because whenever you spend time with your parents, whenever mm-hmm. you grow older, mm-hmm. you learn so much, like from their mistakes, from their success, mm-hmm. and and you wish you had that written or recorded so you can go back to that moment mm-hmm. and experience that again. So, so here's that's, a funny that's thing. That's the goal. And that brings us to another conversation, how I actually did a um, paper in college, how media, why television, computers, and technology is a bad thing. Because television, computers, and technology have replaced the time-honored methods of humans passing down wisdom. The books? Well, no, not just books. Even books have been a a step in the wrong direction. Because culturally, everybody used to pass it down by word of mouth. Every family Mm. used to pass down all their history and everything to their children by you, you learned it. You learned who your people were. You learned where you came from. You learned all your history. You learned everything by word of mouth. Everybody learned everything by memory. And nowadays, everybody has a bad memory. And nobody knows where they're from. I have shitty memory. If somebody tells me their name, <laughs> it feels like loud noise yeah. like happening in my head whenever they say yes. it. I'm like, yeah. what was it again? So... Media and television have time capsuled our society. But and isn't we it have good lost. Thing? No, it's not. Because you can retain more information, like with videos, with voice. Yes, you can. But here's the question. You can do, uh, like, you make a clone out of yourself. Okay, so like, let me ask you clone. a question. How can you dance with just one person? How can a duet be performed with just one person? Because here's the thing. All of the knowledge is being accumulated. All of the knowledge is being accumulated outside of the human brain, outside of the human element. Mm -hmm. And for the humans to gain that knowledge, guess what they have to do? Mm. They have to go get it. And the world is keeping us so distracted. It ain't happening. So the wealth of knowledge that's being stored... Mm-hmm. Who's using it? The machines. 
there's a very small cross-section of the population who is using it. Mm-hmm. And what are they using it for? What is that? World domination. Pinky in the brain. Um, I agree like that they're bad actors. But at the same time, like, for me, how I look, this whole technology stuff. Like, if you look at your own body, like, the inside, how your your blood cells like go to your lungs get all the oxygen synced in and then it transmits to your brain like and drops off some of the oxygen and throughout your body mm-hmm. like to nurture all of your cells like so they can uh replenish or like dead cells like like clean out the dead cells replace with the new ones mm-hmm. and for me this recording all this type of recordings is like sinking in the those blood cells with oxygen and the transmission is so fast that distribution is just like happens in a second like you can access that in a moment and what we're lacking i feel like is a tool which would filter out like in like Google, it, whenever you Google thing, uh, it will go through this HTML, scrap the website and match the words that you were asking, right? Mm-hmm. But there's no such thing for the videos, but it's happening. Like there are some uh, tools that exist um, and it's still under development, like ChatGPT, like is for instance. Mm-hmm. Like you can give like any of the uh situations and it just like builds out like whatever that you're saying mm-hmm. like it can also be use it used like as okay get, uh, take this video turn it into transcript and pull the information out of it mm-hmm. and by that you can see what's the what's the idea that population is having what's the mood of the population like if you look at the social media they have the behavioral uh testing stuff Mm-hmm. right and you can do exact same thing for this video stuff that's how i'm seeing like that's where my uh, dots are connecting okay it's easier for people to express themselves with the long format of conversation compared to social media and it's going to be better accuracy of predicting what's the uh state of the population i want you to know i love you right yeah but you are nowhere near suspicious enough <laughs> So let me ask you a question. I'm too (laughs) well-hearted. No, here's the thing. Here's the thing, though. What's that? You, do you, have you ever read the Google contract? No. Are you aware that every single search on Google becomes, the minute you search, it becomes Google's property? I mean, like, it goes to their database. Yes, it does. So... You learned this in college the same as I did, right? Mm-hmm. Do you know that when, um, was it bird flu? Which was it? I think it was the bird flu, eh? Do you know how the CDC was able to get control, the Centers for Disease Control, do you know how they were able to get control of bird flu when it started spreading like wildfire through the population? And the symptom search? Their models were not predictive enough. 
Do you know whose models were predictive enough and enabled them to get control of the disease? Google. And how was it? Oh, how did they succeed? Let's put it this way. They couldn't get control of it. Google had control of it. It makes sense. They yes. have track tracking system like it on is. everything. When Google started, do you know what their original motto was? What was that? Don't be evil. Oh yeah, their slogan. Yes. But do you know what their new slogan is? What is that? Do you know what their new slogan is? No. Is it still don't be evil? I have no idea. But <laughs> I feel like I heard some they removed that slogan from their office or something. Because the original owners of Google are no longer the original owners of Google. All that power is in whose hands? The board of directors. Yeah, whose hands is all that power in? And what are they planning to do with it? Your retirement account holders. Yeah. Well, here's the thing, though. Here's the thing. But I, what I see I'm, what you're saying. Right. So what I'm trying to say is technology... So I have this running whenever I go home, mm -hmm. right? And I get my friends over and we eat and we drink, mm -hmm. right? I have the apocalypse conversation. Mm -hmm. Here are the movies. Have you ever watched In Time no. with Justin Bieber? Uh, is it? No, not Justin Bieber, Justin Timberlake. Uh, whenever they're running out of the time. Yeah, yeah, yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. So In Time, Terminator Saga, mm -hmm. right? Any one of the um, natural disasters mm -hmm. movies, right? Um, and Independence Day. Mm -hmm. So, four apocalyptic um, possibilities. Mm -hmm. Scenarios. <laughs> Scenarios. Which one do you think is the most likely? Uh, the Terminator and the uh, In Time. In time is already happening in China. It is. In time is already happening. It yeah. is already happening. It is. So here's the thing. Okay, so let's talk about something else. Mm -hmm. um, while I was in college, I went to a conference. And I took a uh, presentation that was done on facial recognition. Mm -hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. Do you want to know what they were talking about on the the facial recognition. Do you want to know what the most dangerous, you want to know the, the quickest way to fool facial recognition? How's that? Makeup. They were talking about how women's makeup, because if you, if you, you wouldn't know this because you're a guy, mm -hmm. but women's makeup, they draw lines to alter the shape of their eyes. Mm -hmm. Right? Because if I trace the line in my eyes and I pulled it out there, it'll make my eyes look like they slant up like that. Mm -hmm. If I draw a line and like cup it under there, it'll yeah, make I've my eyes look like they're bigger and whatever. I've seen those. And by drawing, like putting on powder and lines, they can <laughs> change the shape of their cheekbones. And so they did a presentation showing how. They had they did they did studies on how different styles of makeup made it impossible for um, computers to judge the facial recognition. They made people unrecognizable mm -hmm. just using makeup. It's so funny. Now, what was funny about that was, do you know what that knowledge spawned? What is that? China. All right. So here's the thing. Do you have TikTok on your phone? 
No. Why not? Because they trace like everything, even my computer. They have, they have the terms and condition like to access those things. I'm like, fuck that. Exactly. Because even Facebook, I don't like yeah. it. But originally, originally, mm-hmm. now you know TikTok is now owned by an American company, right? No. Yeah. Like they have the uh, headquarters in US, but they still transmit all the data to China. It was bought by an American company. Right? No, but not yet. They, there, there was a talk about it, right? No, it happened. That they still like... It happened. But here's the thing. Did I miss it? Yes. Because I, I've been hearing about banning or selling like options for TikTok. Right. TikTok was sold. Two, three months ago. It was sold. But guess what? The terms and conditions haven't changed. Okay. So who's collecting that data now? Here's the thing, though. Do you know what China was doing with the data that they... We're collecting from TikTok because mm-hmm. TikTok, if it was on your phone, had access to your biometric data. If you use your face or your fingerprint exactly. on your phone, TikTok had that. Do you know China was doing studies on not just using your face mm-hmm. to identify you, but they were able to identify you by your walk, by your body posture, by the way you hold Holy yourself crap, they were doing so body much. scanning and they were i actually watched a presentation with the preliminary results which where they were successfully able to pick a person out of a crowd of 10,000 people just by body biometrics mm-hmm. it's just like every fingerprint is unique like every characteristic that you have is unique for you. Yeah. Your walk pace. Okay, so here's the thing. Damn. Knowing Your all habits. of the things, technology is capable of what humans can imagine. I agree with that uh, doom uh, type of like, situation like this. Um, like some particular party like... Like, maybe in their mind it's not evil, but it actually <laughs> looks like evil. So let me ask you a question. The person who invented dynamite, why did he invent dynamite? Did he invent it to use, be used in war to blow up people and kill people? No, wasn't it about, like, uh, cave mi- mining? It wasn't even mining. Huh? He wanted to clear his pasture. His, his farmland had a lot of rocks. <laughs> And he couldn't, he didn't have the manpower and the animal power to move it. So he's like, oh, if I could blow them into small pieces, then it'll be easier to move. Mm -hmm. So, you know what I think? When he invented dynamite, Mm -hmm. he never knew that dynamite would be the great grandfather of napalm. Mm -hmm. The atomic bomb. Just because, and that's why the most important thing you should teach your children it's just because you can do something does not mean you should. I disagree. There is a good in, uh, like, nuclear. Hold on one second. Like, as Here's a generator. The thing. A lot of people, take, for example, the internet. Mm-hmm. The internet was invented to do what? Transmit the data fast. Share information. What is it being used for now? 
transmit the information. <laughs> a multitude of evils. Every tool. But there, there is. Isn't it? They're good in there. Yeah. Yes, but here's the thing: what people fail to understand is, mm-hmm. man is good and evil. I agree. For every person that wants to use something for good of humanity, you got how many that want to use it for good of themselves only? The ratio is high. The ratio is very high. So here's but, the thing. Now we're back to it. But doesn't but what's the solution for that? Like to stop all of a sudden? Here's like the thing. not to do anything? Have you do you know the guy who invented cookies? No. The guy who invented cookies. Mm-hmm. You know like cookies in the browser and whatever? Ah, the browser cookie. I'm yes. imagining right. cookie. No. Well the guy who invented browser cookie mm-hmm. came out and said he regretted inventing that. Because when he see what they've done with it and how it changed, how it's being used, he says that was not his intention. This was not what he planned. He did not. He regretted inventing this because it has not been the benefit to humanity that he thought it would be. Mm-hmm. So here's the thing. Cook- now cookies we're are back. helpful for the, uh, what is that called? Experience, user experience. But at the same time, it collects a lot of the data, the habits cookies. that you have. Right. Cookies are not really about, um, the problem with technology is nobody is thinking ahead to the ramifications of what they're doing and they're inventing faster than it could be policed. And as fast as it's invented, Mm -hmm. as fast as it's invented, they are thinking of the positive benefits and people are thinking of how they can use it as a weapon. So. But that was all the, the the case all the time it is the the case all the time it has always been the case all the time through history but that's not the history that people are learning so the most important thing you could ever teach your child Mm -hmm. is just because you can do something does not mean you should i want you to look at me right and know that i am capable i always tell people Mm -hmm. i I am capable of so much. Mm-hmm. I am only accessing a fraction of my potential. You know why? Because guess what? What I'm capable of? There's no good in there. <laughs> good intentions pave the roadway to hell, do they not? Mm-hmm. Okay. So here's the thing. When you're about to do something... And you're about to invent something, right? Mm-hmm. Before you share that with people, you should decide if you really want to do it. Do you want to be the one to destroy the world? Here's the thing. Um, like with the nuclear power of the nations, the, like caused peace between like giant countries it forced peace exactly like because any moment like we can just destroy each other like in the split second the whole earth can disappear yes so that's the positive side is that really a positive peace until we figure out like how to like go along here's the thing do you know what the biggest danger with that is 
disappearing. No. Now we have a generation who don't know our history. They don't know. They don't care. They are interested in who? Themselves. So, okay, so I want you to know I work for a healthcare organization. I see what you're saying. Like, new generation, like, is right. like, self-centered. And one like one day they're going to become the power. And right. how, what's going to happen when the one right. that day right. comes? Right. So what's going to happen then? It's this, the rules that you're talking about mm-hmm. only work as long as the people in cow- power care enough to make them work. What happens when the people in power don't care? And we're getting there really, 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 really fast. I work in healthcare, mm-hmm. right? We suffered a cyber attack, right? Mm-hmm. And since then, our system security has escalated and escalated and escalated. I deal with people every day and they're like, oh, this is so stupid. Why are you making it so difficult? Why are you I'm never going to remember this and whatever. And then they keep going. And when they stop, I said, I got to ask you a question. Do you remember the cyber attack we suffered? They're like, yeah. I said, what makes you think that they stopped? What? I haven't heard anything. I said, exactly. Because we keep escalating our security because they're still attacking. The problem with people succeeding once is they think they can do it again. Mm-hmm. So we are even more of a target than we were before because they succeeded once. So are you going to do your part? Mm-hmm. I'm waiting for them to fire me for having that conversation with my <laughs> But the point is that even if you had the generation of like self-centric, like with the TikTok generation, mm-hmm. um, it doesn't mean that the whole nation is going to be like that. The whole generation <sighs> is going to be like that. That's the beauty of technology and the world. Do you know why? What's so beautiful about technology and the world? Mm-hmm. It doesn't take the world for it to fuck up. It only takes one. Because technology puts all that power in one person's hand. What do you think about Neuralink? Let's not have that. We don't have time to start that conversation tonight, in all honesty. How long have we been talking? An hour and a half. Okay, so we're done. (laughs) I promised you 30 minutes, right? And I gave you 90. Okay. But here's the thing. But Mm -hmm. I want you to think about these things. Yeah. I'm impressed by your innate ability to trust in the good of human nature. And I want you to know, you are a, I am a optimistic pessimist, which means I hope for the best, but I prepare for the worst. Mm -hmm. You need to start preparing for the worst. (laughs) You hope for the best. Get to the other side of the equation. That's the only thing that I have. No. To move me. <laughs> no, but you have to prepare for the worst because you know what? To not prepare for the worst is to um Okay, so I firmly Honestly, I've been pessimist uh pessimistic realist my whole life. But that pessimism over time changed to positiveness especially after i had a kid like that so. that just gives me so much hope like into the future like of what kind of person he can become like with the things 
that I wanted to have like as a kid and stuff that I wanted to learn as a kid but wasn't available and all the possibilities like it just blows my mind it's just me and a small smaller version yes like so version two of Beck <laughs> I, I totally get that and I want you to know I have been a parent and mm-hmm. I've been there and I want you to know the most amazing thing I've ever done in my entire life mm-hmm. is raise kids it is it's more important than everything else I've ever done. But here's the thing. Mm-hmm. Here's the thing. I'm not telling you not. I'm an optimistic pessimist. Here's a question. Do you consider me a negative person? Not at all. But I'm always prepared for the worst, right? Yeah. All right. That's all I'm asking you to do. I'm not asking you to be a pessimist. Mm -hmm. I'm not asking you to think that only the worst can happen. The reason why you don't consider me a negative person is because I firmly believe in all the possibilities. I firmly believe in all the possibilities. In fact, I could wake up tomorrow with psychic powers. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I mean? I could. I could wake up tomorrow and, you know, everything except win the lottery because god tell me more money will make me a better person (laughs) (laughs) and i hate to admit it but he's absolutely right okay Okay, folks but that's it the the point of this conversation go have a kid (laughs) (laughs) yes (laughs) that's the joy of life that is the joy of life but remember hope for the best prepare for the worst prepare for the worst so teach your kids not just how to manage money clean house and whatever Mm-hmm. Teach them self-defense and tell them, teach them how to double tap a zombie because the zombie apocalypse is coming. <laughs> <laughs> I'm fully prepared. Yeah. I have katana there. <laughs> laid oh, yeah, down. yeah. Oh, you, boy, my kids are so lucky. So our fighting lessons wasn't an option when they were kids.